0: Welcome to Her Dark Materials. I'm Faye. Hi. And I'm Rachel. Hello. This is a podcast where we're reading through and discussing Philip Pullman's his Dark Materials novels, a chapter at a time, spoiler free.
1: In this episode, we're talking about Chapter 10, The Consul and the Bear. oh my god (laughs) that is a question it's a question and a half right there truly uh frazzled i think is the word frazzled unraveling yeah um yeah for some reason i've just like piled my plate really high recently and given myself lots of unattainable goals and i've just been a little bit manic it's been fine yeah
0: yeah yeah i I was up to like like,
1: midnight last night painting things i was like didn't technically need to finish but i was like well i'm here now Right. Yeah, right. keep digging Um, yeah it's all good I've just uh, so I'm in the middle of kind of properly launching into despite the fact that I'm my workspace and set up I'm launching into my prep for Toycon UK mm-hmm. which is on the 15th and 16th of March yes. at Novo Tell in Hammersmith like that weekend anyway
0: Tayconson Hammersmith 15th. this
1: time. Yeah, they've moved it to Hammersmith. Mm. It's fourteenth and fifteenth, not fifteenth and sixteenth. Fourteenth and fifteenth of March. At the no, yeah. So it's where Dragon Meat was in yeah. November. So I've kind of seen the venue before, but new venue, different table setup, different configuration. It's exciting because it's a bigger mm-hmm. venue and there's some amazing people going like yeah. a couple of the artists that basically inspired me to get into doing toy making stuff are fucking attending and i am freaking out about it so like no pressure no pressure to like put out the best spread that i've ever done it's fine
0: ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also when does this episode go up because obviously as per usual we're recording it a couple of weeks in advance so will it be after
1: no so this should go up on the on off. the ninth
0: so I it realize. would be this weekend so yeah, if you're around, if you're in London, mm-hmm. Gussie Rach at Toycon, yeah, I will not be there because I'm going back up north. But how rude of me! But Gussie, and yeah.
1: then tell her that you listen to us? Oh my god, I'll freak out. Yeah, if I had stickers, I can order stickers. I will order stickers. So that if anyone tells me they listen to the podcast, I can give you a sticker.
0: And also, I feel like
1: we have some business cards left over that you can somewhere. Have. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I packed them. I don't know where. I don't know where <laughs> anything is anymore. <laughs> yeah. This is my life now. Uh, yeah, exciting stuff. Yes, that is very exciting. Very exciting. Why are you frazzled today, Faye?
0: I'm like I am also very frazzled. I messaged Rich earlier and I said something like, I'm sorry if when you come over I'm on the verge of tears because I was just like so busy. Like I just want do you know when you just like feel like you're gonna cry? Like I was like, My heart is beating like so fast and I'm just like, What is happening? Like, oh my god. And like Last week, or whenever we spoke last on the podcast, I was like, oh, yeah, it's, like, such a nice, like, chilled out week. And I'm like, this week has been horrendous. Like, oh, God. Honestly. Why everything so that can go happening? wrong apparently will go wrong. Apparently that's how it's going. Yeah, yeah, truly. I feel like I'm always being, like, quite negative, but I'm just... So- yeah, mm. uh, so please,
1: listeners, forgive us if we like get something wrong. Or I feel sound a like bit manic. there's gonna be some like just frazzled laughter occurring during this episode because yeah. we're both we're both teetering <laughs> on the edge, guys. <laughs> <We> are, <laughs> there's a knife are. edge, and we're on it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Despite the fact that I had to manically read through this chapter and like make the fastest notes I could, despite it being one of my favorite fucking chapters of this book, mm-hmm. I am really excited to get into it. So hopefully. We can do it justice. I hope so. It is a really good chapter. I completely agree. It was a nice respite from the craziness of my day to like sit and read this chapter. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Ooh. Oh, that reminds me as well. I sat down with Girls Gone Canon and the Dark Material podcast. Yeah, you did. So by the time this comes out, that episode will probably be out already. So you might have already heard it. It was great. We spoke for three hours three whole hours. About... Obviously, I imagine you could have spoken for longer as yeah. well. So it was about the secret Commonwealth, which, if you don't know, is the second in the new books that Philip Pullman's released, so the books of dust. If you're reading along with us, maybe don't listen to that episode, because obviously it will be very spoiler-free. Mm,
1: I can't even listen to it yet, yeah. because I am still only halfway through. I've reached the end of part one of The Bell Svalanche.
0: Yeah, so that's why it was just me, because Rach couldn't be there, because she not couldn't. read it. <laughs>
1: No moral support from me.
0: <laughs> it was weird being uh, like talking to them on my own, but uh, it was good that we all had some good points, I think, and it was really good to talk to those guys who do great podcasts. So if you haven't listened to them, do.
1: I think it's really interesting as well because despite the fact that we're all podcasting on the same topic, everyone's coming at it from a slightly different angle, which yeah. I think is really great. So definitely. definitely worth giving everyone a listen. Just fill your life with Dark Materials podcasts, yeah. Like. Definitely. Yeah. And um think about how many Harry Potter podcasts there are. This oh, God, series absolutely. definitely deserves as many podcasts as the Harry Potter series has got.
0: <laughs> Obviously I mentioned yeah. Harry Potter in the conversation as Obviously, well. Of course, of course. I did.
1: Um <laughs> Drink. Drink. <laughs> and we also spoke to Felix Trench. We did. We yeah. had our first ever book club episode, which may or may not have already been released, depending on how quickly we edit it.
0: <laughs> uh, we are like we're frazzled, guys, forgive us if it's not with you already. If it isn't with you. By the time you listen to this, it'll be with you pretty soon, I would imagine. We'll but- see. <laughs> <laughs> but we We'll see. But we have got it. We recorded it. We just need to edit it. Yeah, so. it was
1: super lovely to sit down and have a really spoiler-filled conversation about like our experience of the book series as a whole, our feelings about all the different characters that we meet through it. And it felt genuinely it felt really naughty to talk about spoilers yeah and weird
0: yeah and we had to like tread a bit lightly with felix when we were talking about the tv show because he'd not seen all of it Ooh, so like yeah trying to adjust my like spoiler bar i was and like, then he ah. was having
1: to tread carefully because he's read secret commonwealth and i haven't yeah everyone was like spoiling up to a certain point yeah <laughs> but yeah he was a, a treat
0: to talk to and Hopefully we're going to be doing more of those book clubs. So essentially the, the point behind them was so that we could talk to some of our friends and like fellow podcasters and fellow people that we enjoy talking to about the books and what they think about the books as a whole
1: yeah. or the tv show as a whole if they haven't read the books especially being able to have those spoiler-filled conversations about the impacts the books have made on us i feel like they're really important conversations to have especially if people don't want to pick a chapter to like just pick for a chapter yeah. spoiler for it. it's a really nice way of having all those conversations in like a- another context with tea and biscuits yeah exactly look out for that if it's not with you already because it was really fun to do and hopefully we'll be doing more soon Yeah. Mm. So we launched our Patreon a few weeks ago. We did. We know this. We are so close to our goal of getting 10 patrons to Mm -hmm. start a Discord chat so we can chat with you guys about all of our thoughts about and feelings about everything yes. to do with the books and life, you know. And we have to say a very special, very big thank you to our newest patron at the witch level, mm-hmm. who's Charlie. Hi, hey, Charlie. Hi, Charlie. This is your shout out.
0: Enjoy. Yay.
1: <laughs> and if we haven't done your social
0: one, it'll be coming soon. It Who will knows? be coming soon. <laughs> I just got to get my shit together. It's fine. As Rach said, we, at the time we recorded this, we were on seven. So we need three more patrons to reach our first goal of 10 so that we can all have a good old chat in the discord if you haven't pledged yet and you were thinking about it now's the time Mm -hmm. so you can do that at patreon.com forward slash pods.
1: all the money that you put into the patreon goes into everything to do with the podcast Mm -hmm. so things like we're we're saving up for a new mic stand so that you get less awkward little noises in the background yeah um and we kind of just we want to like grow this podcast and kind of make it even better for you guys and hopefully get some even cooler rewards going absolutely and
0: yeah so our setup at the minute we literally record we plop the mic in between us on a pillar on a a record (laughs) player so to have a mic stand would be great Ooh, it'd be quite the luxury it would. i could actually put things in front of me instead of to yeah. the side right <laughs> i'd feel like a real podcaster if Ooh. we had a mic stand it'd
1: like, be a bit wow. too, a bit too real i think <laughs> <laughs> this week if he could still change what would your demon have been oh god
0: i'm i message rich today and i was thinking this yesterday when i was making the notes but i haven't had time to do anything but work or podcast stuff so like we hadn't done the fucking washing in like three weeks. I hadn't cleaned the flat in forever, which I still haven't done. And I just feel like I need some help. Like what? around the house. <laughs> and I like Googled, because uh, this is my thing, I just googled it. I Googled like which animals are like like tidy or like clean. And apparently uh Wilson's bird of paradise. Ooh. A little fancy bird. Um, so they clean their habitat. I think it's when they're looking for a mate. think they the ones that they clean
1: a little perfect circle on the ground and then they do a fancy yeah, dance Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I like it. Um, so I,
1: that would be my demon this week, so they could help me clean. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> I... <sighs> Probably a beaver. A beaver. They're busy. Mm-hmm. Busy as a beaver. Yeah. I've been, like, knuckling down and trying to get some stuff done. I've taken on a few days' work, like, outside of my own work to try and, like, keep a roof over my head um (laughs) that'd be nice i've been panicking but like i've been like i feel like i've been working really hard and kind of also fighting off being on the verge of like illness caused by exhaustion which is great haha yeah uh definitely like a a busy little beaver to kind of help me get my shit done Mm. that would be nice will we ever let ourselves relax no (laughs) you see a plate you're gonna pick it up and start spinning it that's how we roll (laughs) are you ready i'm ready let's get into it
0: Last chapter, Lyra and Fardecorum formed a beautiful father-daughter relationship.
1: Lyra predicted a spy's death using the alethiometer, which led John Farr to the decision to take her north with them. Mrs. Coulter sent some beetle-like spy devices to find
0: Lyra. In this chapter, Lyra and the Egyptians arrive in the north.
1: Fardecorum and Lyra go to see the witch's consul, who mentions again that Lyra is more important than she knows. And we meet.
0: Yorick fucking Bern yes yes Yorick so first, they make their decision to go to Trollsund, which is part at uh, the port in Lapland. Mm-hmm. does Santa live there we will never know
1: nah they he live oh, in the capital he does. yeah, that's yeah.
0: true wait, is not big oh, pff, I
1: have no idea.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't fucking know, um, and the witches have a, a consulate there, and we learn that without their help, they won't be able to rescue the children, or or they at least want the witches like on their
1: side. Yeah, we um, it's the first time we've heard witches mentioned since like the second
0: chapter. Yeah,
1: we've heard it very before, excited. but we haven't heard like mm-hmm. much about them, which is very exciting.
0: And Lyra's getting a sea legs. She Shouldn't feel a seasick
1: anymore. No, but she definitely was blaming her seasickness on pan last chapter and we full well know it's lyra yeah, this exactly.
0: chapter john far and fardecorum and some of the other people are chatting about the witches fardecorum knows some of the witches right or one of the witches um and we learned that he met them like 40 years ago but witches can live to many times that age mm-hmm. which is so, so back when he was
1: a young man mm-hmm. how old do we think he is He's described as, like, very frail. Right. Either frail or as if he's experienced some kind of injury or something that's some kind of, like, debilitating injury. I don't think it's, like,
0: 70. 60, 70?
1: I don't know how long the average human lives to in Lyra's time as well. Like, it seems like they don't have a great healthcare system. So maybe, like, the average age is, like, 70. Maybe maybe 60 is really old. Or maybe, like, 80 is where he's at. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, that's
0: true. I do not know who knows. So, we find out that uh, Fordacorum saved a witch's life. We do. Oh, after she fell out of the air. Being chased by a
1: great red bird. Mm. Which, that sounds terrifying. Sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Couldn't have it.
0: Uh, um, and yeah. he pulled her out of the marsh when she was uh, drowning and, and shot the bird. It, it sounds like... Well, he says later, doesn't it? That he thinks it might have been somebody's demon. So, like, he yeah.
1: it. And he... When he realizes that, like he says he felt sick, and the re- the only reason he didn't realize it was someone's demon was because the the person was not in sight. Yeah, and I think at this point, this is the first witch he'd ever met, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Yeah, I find it really funny because um, he talks about when he pulls her out of the water mm-hmm. uh, to rescue her and realizes she doesn't have a demon, and he's like really shocked, and like everyone in the room like shudders, and he says like it was as if he'd said she had no head. The very thought was repugnant. So the idea of someone without a demon is, like, Mm -hmm. so shocking. But then also, instead of just letting him kind of finish his story and say what's going on, these two guys keep, like, chiming in, and they're like, oh, witches don't have demons then, do they? I mean, invisible. It was like, oh, yeah, yeah, they must be invisible, they must be invisible. Let the man tell his fucking story. And also... Stop trying to splain witches. Like, you don't know shit. (laughs) Sorry, I don't know why they
0: annoyed me so much. They just did I really liked when that other guy was like... Oh, yeah, so, like, they must be, be invisible then. And, like, comes like, actually, no.
1: Actually, shut the fuck actually, up you and you let me tell up? my story. <laughs> <laughs> uh. A bit
0: of sass, bit of sassy yeah. Forum for a bit.
1: <laughs> So, yeah, we learn that witches' demons do exist. They, can, they just have the power to separate themselves from their demons to, like, way, way further yeah, than yeah, the yeah. link is, is extendable in humans. Like, the demons, they still maintain their connection while their demon is halfway across the world, yeah. which is fucking cool. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, absolutely.
0: He like, I think it might be a little bit before this bit, but he says something about the witch that he rescued being thinner than some.
1: And I just don't understand why he needs to bring that up. I don't know if it's just like in general, witches as like a a race that is slightly separate from humans and you know, their demons function differently. They're not just, it's not like Harry Potter. It's not like regular people get mm. to be witches. I think they are completely separated species-ish wise from humans, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Just a general description is they do tend to be on like the slender side as like a build of people, like how you might describe like elves being tall and slender all the time. Mm.
0: So then uh, the witch's demon comes like flying back to her after like an hour or so because uh, he felt like her injury. And then we get to the point where he thinks he's shot another witch's demon and he's really upset about it. Um, and then the witch said that he can call on her whenever he needed help, uh, which he did at one point when he was shot with a poison arrow.
1: Mm-hmm. And then he says, we had other connections too. Yeah. I haven't seen her for many years, but she'll remember. And I was like... Mm-hmm. Did they? Bang. <laughs> well, there's a bit later in this chapter where he's like a little, looking a little bit like longingly at the little yeah, sprig yeah. that Lyra's got and that Lyra she can, can read, use to summon.
0: Yeah. Sarah she she can't read his face. And she's
1: and like, oh, I don't recognise that emotion. He's definitely like, I could definitely use that for a booty call. Oh.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Oh, Oh, God. Um, So the witches, they live in the forest and on the tundra, um, and their business is with the wild, which sounds
1: fucking great. Mm, Because, yeah, one of the guys asked if they live in Trollison, and he's like, no, no. They don't don't live in towns. They're not basic like the rest of us. So we are so basic.
0: I don't think that I would be at least as stressed if I lived in the fucking wild and my business with with nature. Yeah. Can you imagine?
1: Also, their business wife. is with nature. I've got a meeting with a with a shrub <laughs> at the half past
0: three. And I'm I sorry, I can't
1: make it. I've got my a phone call. my four thirty with the babbling brook is there? Uh, <laughs> it's way over. I
0: can't move it again. <laughs> God. Oh, I'm going. I'm nature business. I'm just losing my mind a little bit. <laughs> So the witches keep a console at the port so that they can um, get word to the witches. Um, and Lyra, she wants to know more about them, but then the men start talking about boring stuff. Right?
1: Keep like, talking talk about witches? I want to know more about witches.
0: Right. So she, like, she goes off to like explore the ship. And then she fucking, classic Lyra, just starts terrorising somebody else by fucking throwing like apple pits at him.
1: I love that she pocketed the apple pips from breakfast just to piss someone off later in the day she's such a little shit i love it she's it's like so classic stupid. little shit if you met
0: her and you were an adult like well she seems to have this innate way of charming people yeah. maybe she gets it from mrs coulter her mama mm-hmm. she's also such a little shit i think she'd annoy the fuck out of me to be honest she was like mm-hmm. throwing apple pits at me i'd be like
1: also like I'll gross be. you've kept them in your pocket all day do you know anyone that eats the apple core. Yes. Does it freak you out?
0: Yes, Amy. If you're still listening, I don't know if she's still listening. You're being called
1: out. I'm calling you yeah, out. Maybe that's why it kind of grossed me out the idea of her like throwing apple seeds at him because like it's like, how did you get them out? Did, are you one of those people that eats the core and then spits out the seeds? Because no. No. Yeah. Uh, Incorrect. Uh, okay. That is not how one eats an apple. Oh boy. <laughs> Hot take on apple eating. <laughs> I just, it freaks me out
0: it's too crunchy didn't you used to hear like my uh sister used to tell me that if you ate them then they would grow in your stomach yeah yeah <laughs> like um, watermelon seeds yeah, as well yeah, yeah. except for you can't not eat watermelon seeds and there's an episode of rugrats where that happens and it's terrifying so uh they're like her and the person that she's fucking is he called jerry the guy that she's like it's called sharp? jerry
1: he's the able seaman yeah, they became great friends, which are, like, a friendship. Because they swore at each other. Because, yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> he swore at her for throwing yeah. apple pips at him and she swore back and he was like, I
0: like how you roll. Yeah, <laughs> And, like, she becomes obsessed with doing things in, like, a
1: semen-like way. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's so <laughs> lyry. She's already, like, trying to name everything how it's named on the boat. And now she's like, oh, I am stowing instead of tidying. Yeah. Oh, and oh. I'm, um... She's, like, oh. folding her clothes in a semen-like way. You, you just folded some clothes. How... How... how I would love to know how a seaman folds their clothes differently from how I fold my clothes. I would also really like to stop saying the word seaman. (laughs) (laughs) You say it enough times, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no. Oh, God.
0: And then (laughs) she becomes on, like, first-name basis with all the crew and, like, messes
1: around with them all and stuff. It just shows she's a proper little chameleon. Like, she's so adaptable. As a small child in a strange environment, I'd definitely just be, like, hiding out somewhere or like yeah. sticking like glue to far decorum because he's the only person mm. that I know she's just grown up like that because she's just been
0: like surrounded by the scholars and stuff so it's like mm. she hasn't really had anyone that she could latch onto, really that yeah. would be there all the time
1: and I guess like aside from Roger and the kids that she had as her like little lackeys she um was mostly around adults all the time so I guess she would would be pretty comfortable talking to adults like yeah. I definitely as a child I did not know how to talk to adults As an adult, I do not know how to talk to children. I don't know where the point shifts, but like, it's not a thing. I was going to say I don't know how to talk to adults still. (laughs) Oh yeah, I don't know how to talk to adults either. (laughs) I don't know how to talk to anybody today. I can't talk to anyone. But yeah, she proper like makes herself part part of the ship, part of the crew.
0: Yes, she does. And we learn that it's getting a bit colder and that she needs to get um, some warmer clothes at some point. And then... Jerry teaches her how to sew, and then there's a bit of a, like, patriarchal moment here, mm-hmm. uh, which I put a little sticky on. Jerry showed her how to sew, she'd learned willingly from him, though she had scorned it at Jordan and avoided instruction from Mrs. Lonsdale. Myra,
1: it's a thing that really pisses me off. It's such a thing. So, like, if you think about some of the most famous chefs in the world, mm-hmm. men. Mm-hmm. Some of the most famous designers in the world, men. Yeah, I'm sorry, cooking and sewing traditionally, patriarchally frowned upon or sniffed at as being women's work, mm-hmm. but when a man does it he's going to be the most successful fucking person in the world, fuck up, like no, sorry yeah. it really, it grinds my gears <laughs> yeah, but it's a thing Um, because there is nothing inherently different between Mrs. Lonsdale teaching her the basics of sewing and this sailor doing it, no. aside from the fact that he's a man the only thing I could see as any excuse is that practically she did need that in the moment and that is the moment she needed to learn the skill but also she could have been like sewing up all the rips she made in her own goddamn yeah. dresses at oxford if she did yeah. learn from a woman like, it's just
0: some bullshit, it's a useful it?
1: skill it, no obvious yes
0: it's a very useful skill I, I like but this whole thing with her like not wanting to learn from mrs lonsdale and like um tasks and chores and jobs being gendered is just some
1: fucking bullshit mm-hmm. and i'm just not here for it especially I'm today here for the sewing sailor I'm here, oh, for God, a, yeah, yeah. I'm here i'm fully here for a man that sews and a man that could, and all this shit like i don't like that it's gendered and i don't like that lyra sniffed it when a woman tried to yeah, teach yeah. her and was enthusiastically willing to learn when a man tried to teach her like it's it's just a bit shitty really and just yeah skills and chores and abilities being gendered is just a bit old it's old and also, we're past it i'm past it
0: <laughs> we are past it and also i just kind of want lyra to give mrs lonsdale a bit more credit credit and yeah. like time of day and love and shit i know she's strict with you lyra but she's doing her best mm-hmm. she's doing her best oh they make a little waterproof bag which is cute actually to put the alethiometer in in case she falls in the sea lol yeah <laughs> and I'm Like, like if you fell book. in the sea lyra you would die because it's, think how cold it is, and it's can like you swim? Full Titanic levels, right? Out there. <laughs> can she swim? Like, and the thing that they're worried about is keeping the Lethiometer safe when she just wouldn't make it from going overboard.
1: Mm. I wonder if your chances of drowning are significantly improved by the fact that you have a demon that can change shape, like as in like of not drowning, are improved. Yeah, like a dolphin or a fish or something she could grab onto, like a sea turtle, or something she could grab onto mm. and float, because he would then have the innate ability to be able to swim. That is so interesting. Yeah, probably. I would imagine. He could you could turn into a like a yeah, into a whale and she could ride him. Um, that would be really fucking cool. That would be so cool. Speaking of pan turning into sea creatures
0: though,
1: mm-hmm. um he's bloody loving turning into a stormy petrel, which is, like, a kind of seabird Mm -hmm. and a seagull and, like, is really helping Lyra with the nausea. And from time to time, he tries being a fish and then at one point he joins a school of dolphins and she's just, like, bloody loving how happy he is, like, laughing and playing with the dolphins. But then she also gets, like, a little bit jealous because she's like, what if she likes them? What if he likes them more than he likes me?
0: Yeah, right. And Um, then they have, like, she has a conversation with... Jerry. Is it Jerry? Jerry. Yeah. Jerry. About uh, demons changing and like why they
1: change and all that stuff. I think I'll put a sticker on it. So let me mm-hmm. see if there's any interesting bits to read out from that. We get the first instance here of somebody's demon settling as a sea based yeah. creature. I know, right? And like, I feel sorry for that. This guy
0: mm-hmm. that just had to spend his life on the sea because his demon settled as a, what is it settled as? A uh, A porpoise. A porpoise.
1: Yeah, Joey basically explains that he did know someone once his demon settled a secret and the guy could never leave a boat. He could never leave the sea because obviously his demon couldn't survive on land. Mm. And that the the poor man, he was the best bloody sailor anyone had ever met, but um, he was never happy until he died and could be buried at sea. That is sad. That is a lot. You know in Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, (laughs) God. When, uh, what's his face? Orlando Bloom accepts the responsibility of Davy Jones' locker, and he has to be at sea and he can only come on land like one day every 10 years or some bullshit. Is that a thing that happens in Pride it of the same Is it the first one? Oh God, it's like the fourth one. It's it's like, no, it's okay. by, the t- by the time the films are like really, really, really bad. But there's a bit in that where he, where Will Turner agrees to like take on the duties of Davy Jones who like ferries people to the land of the dead or Is something. he the- Bill Nye, yeah, as the with, yeah, we're doing. Oh yeah, this is this is <laughs> this is not a visual format. We're doing fingers on a face, yeah, like that, that octopus face, Doctor yeah. Zoidberg style. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the one. that I was trying to think of. Um, yeah, but Will does not look like that because the only reason he looks like that is because he wasn't following through with his duties of oh. ferrying souls to the land of the dead or to whatever. Um, What's your point? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's what it reminds me of—the guy that can't ever leave his boat he's stuck on his boat right, for life okay. because that's yeah. that's what the situation is in paris the caribbean he can't leave his boat <laughs> except for like one day a year but even that guy can't do that he's no. just stuck at sea forever Aww. although i feel like you could definitely get like an interesting like house on stilts situation going to so that you could at least have like a house that's like on land ish yeah or like i guess just get like a tank in a trolley to like push your demon around if your demon was a fish Aww. maybe your porpoise is too big it
0: would be too heavy to move by yourself do you know but- like in the film res- references are coming out oh back. <laughs> in Ace Ventura Pet Detective yeah where they steal that shark and it's in that uh, no they steal the dolphin sorry they steal the dolphin yeah but they go into that in party the more problematic one of the two films which oh, are both very problematic it, got it, got it. right I'm, I fucking love those films because I love Jim Carrey but they are so problematic <sighs> really bad but yeah like you know you get a big tank like that right where they put the dolphin Mm -hmm. and where they put the shark when it's a shark how exciting oh my god tangents also i'm really sorry that i was just like "What's your point (laughs) what where are you going with this thanks his demon is a porpoise and it's sad because then he has to stay at sea
1: all the time and lyra's like why do demons ever have to settle?" Mm -hmm.
0: and he says that they've always settled and they always will that's just part of growing up. There'll come a time when you'll be tired of his changing and you'll want a settled kind of form for him. And she's like, I never will. Yeah. And that reminds me of like, Joe you know, when you were younger and adults were like, it's just a, it's just a phase. And you're like, it's not a phase, mom. It reminds me of that. Like, <laughs> I won't. I won't like it a phase. <laughs> and like, it kind of makes me sad because then I think about all the things that I said that I would never want to do when I was
1: young. And now I'm probably doing most of them as an adult. Eating olives, eating hummus, eating anchovies, uh, I drinking s- beer. Yeah. <laughs> I, I still
0: don't eat hummus or olives, but anchovies, sure. Yeah. And like having like a, a job, like a nine to five job and Oof. not being like a cool, like fucking musician or something. Yeah. And like stuff like that. And I'm like, oh. So then we learn as well that uh, your demon settling helps you to know what kind of person that you are. Mm-hmm. So the guy says, Jerry, Abel Seaman says, knowing what kind of person you are, take hold Bellisaria, Bellisaria, mm-hmm. she's a seagull, and that means I'm kind of a seagull too. I'm not grand and splendid nor beautiful, but I'm a tough old thing, and I can survive anywhere and always find a bit of food and company. That's worth knowing. That is, and when your demon settles, you'll know the sort of person you are.
1: I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Also, I can imagine her being like, uh, "Fucking thanks." I, I, I think you'll find that I am beautiful and splendid. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes. How <laughs> how dare she asks?
0: What if your demon settles in a shape that? that you don't like.
1: Yeah, I quite like this bit. He says, there's plenty of folks that like to have a lion demon and they end up with a poodle. Until they learn to be satisfied with what they are, they're going to be fretful about it. Waste of feeling, that is. Fair. Fair enough.
0: And then it's, oh, Lyra says, that, uh, it seemed to Lyra that she would never grow up. Well, so, it's what it feels like when same. you're a
1: kid, though. I mean, I still I mean, feel like no. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> oh, God. So, and then we get a lovely description of the town as they're pulling into the port. And once again, it says it smells of fish. So I think Faye would really like to visit it. And uh, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> yes,
0: I like fish. All right. I like the smell of fish. It, and but I would
1: there like this. Other smells like pine and resin and earth and something animal and musky. And something else that was cold and blank and wild, which might have been snow, it was the smell of the north. Yeah. Ooh. We're officially in the north of the capital A. We N. are in the north. Seals frisked around the ships, oh. showing their clown faces above the water before sinking back without a splash. I bloody love seals. I love seals. They're so cute. Yeah, they are. Super cute. They're Aww. so cute. And my sticky tabs in my notebook today, some of them are seals. Uh, and that makes me very happy. Very cute. So it's too cold to stay outside. Mm-hmm. So she goes... Off to eat her
0: porridge um, and then they're ready to get off the ship. <laughs> Lyra was already packed and she put
1: all the stuff in a little shopping bag. Aye. Fucking wish all my shit fitted in a shopping bag. I was like... Sometimes moving were, house would have been so much easier.
0: When they were sewing though, could they not have made her a little bag as well? Like they made a bag for an Alicia Omnia, but they didn't make a bag for all the shit. Maybe it's She's like a, a I cam- I
1: can't imagine they have like carrier bags. Like it's, it's probably a like bag. a canvas bag, like a little tote. Cute little indie tote bag printed with the local like Whole Foods. <laughs> thing I'm it, and I'm an indie. <laughs> 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 ah, classic. Hair and pharma courtroom.
0: They go straight to the Witch's council. Mm-hmm. council. I always say council. Do you remember Sabrina the Teenage Witch? I know mm-hmm. we've tried to watch it recently and it does not hold up. It does not. It's terrible. But there is, it's the Witch's Council, right?
1: Like Okay, like, yeah. With like Drell and... I haven't
0: Penandale. watched enough.
1: You're too young. I'm shamefully, admitting, I also just never had like good TV channels at home. I don't know what it used to be aired on.
0: No, it used to be on, it was on like Nickelodeon stuff, but I didn't have that either. But it was on CITV at one point. Okay. <clears throat> Don't enjoy my reference, whatever. Hopefully someone
1: listening will. Yeah. The witch's council, consul. <laughs> the witch's council.
0: <laughs> yeah, they go straight there and they meet the guy. The mm-hmm. consul Dr. Lancelius. Yes. It says, he was a fat man with a florid face and a cerber black suit, whose name was Martin Lancelius. His demon was a little serpent, the same intense and brilliant green eyes as his. Which they, were the only witch-like thing about him. Do they mean... The, that's the only witch-like thing about him, because if his eyes are so piercingly green, mm. or because he's got the same eyes color as his demon.
1: I think that his eyes are the only witchy thing about him. Yeah. Also, is is he a witch or is he just? Yeah, is he just the a... the like conduit slash? Mm-hmm. He knows like, shit though, right? Receptionist. Yeah. Yeah. Is he the witch's receptionist or is he a witch himself? Fardacora mentions that he's looking for a lady witch. When he says, he says, I'm looking for a witch lady I met so many years ago. Does that mean there's witch men? I don't know. Because is yeah, I want to know if Martin Mansellius is a witch or if he's just like a witch's fanboy, which is making me think of uh, what we do in the shadows. The guys is
0: familiar. Oh, what's he called? Fuck.
1: Uh, Guillermo. Yeah, Guillermo. He's so cute. And like, maybe Dr. Mansellius has just been told like, one day we'll make you a witch. And he's just there like, (laughs) please.
0: (laughs) Oh God oh fucking hell what a great tv show great tv show um yeah so actually is this the first time that we've had a a person that kind of looks a bit like their demon like they have a similar like physical attribute to each other and i don't know if we've like heard that before i had a quick like flick back through the other chapters Mm. and i couldn't see anything no because like we were mentioning that um how different Fardacorum's demon is to Fardacorum.
1: Yeah, I guess. Well, the guy with the seagull was saying he is very much a seagull, but like, I think it's pretty hard to look like a seagull. Is it not hard to look like a snake? I suppose it's a bit
0: easier to look like a snake, isn't it?
1: I don't know. But again, it's kind of it's. I guess it's the only similarity between the two of them is just that that green colour. Mm. But I don't know. Maybe if he had brown eyes, his snake would have been a brown snake. I don't know. Brown snake.
0: Oh yeah, and then Father Corum tells him that he wants to contact a witch called Seraphina Peckler. What a fucking great name! Such a good name. I
1: love saying that name out loud. Mm.
0: Seraphina Peckler. It makes satisfying. me think
1: of Peter Piper picked a pick pickle pepper. <laughs> if great. Peter Piper picked a pick of pickle pepper, something 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 tongue twister. <laughs>
0: I'm not good at tongue twisters, and especially not now I've got braces, so I'm not going
1: to try that. <laughs> Oh,
0: God. Um, And then he asks uh, whether the witch's consul has heard about the missing children. And basically, the guy has like a roundabout way of saying yes.
1: Yeah, so it seems like there's some kind of... Lyra recognises that neither of the men is particularly saying exactly the point they're getting out is that it's as if there's definitely some like political thing some like social thing going on in the mm-hmm. background where they're both kind of just like putting out feelers and not saying saying directly yeah. what they mean mm-hmm. and just kind of seeing how the other person reacts to it yeah because it is really odd um
0: and lyra notices it doesn't she and yeah. also it's kind of one of those things isn't it where i think uh, it says something about uh, Fardacorum knowing how these meetings usually work, so it makes you think that there's some <laughs> kind of like etiquette at play yeah. here.
1: Also, I think maybe he doesn't know where their political leanings stand, so mm. he doesn't want to just out and out be like, "Look, we're going after the gobblers. and him being yeah, like, yeah. "Somebody ring the ablation bar. <laughs> <pod. laughs> <Shit. Like, laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if he doesn't necessarily know where the witches' allegiances lie, That's and true. as the consul, I think his job is his job is like his allegiances with the witches and whatever the witches decide is best for them so yeah
0: yeah so lyra like i said she's confused but she recognizes that like
1: there are lots of layers to this conversation Mm. and And in essence what for getting at is we're trying to rescue some kids and we know kids are being taken through this area Mm -hmm. what do the witches know about this topic Yeah, yeah and also can they a grant us safe passage and b do you think they'd lend a hand yeah, kind of thing. He gets it a really roundabout way, but that's kind of the gist of what he's trying to say.
0: Yeah, the consul knows of Farda already, and we learn that Serafina is the queen of a witch clan in Lake Inara. Mm
1: hmm.
0: Just, I just keep calling in the witch consul even though he's got on it. Dr. Lancelias tells them that he knows about the missing kids, but he doesn't want it to be known that he's the one that's then going to tell them this information, so he's like, it didn't You come didn't hear from me. Hear it from me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then there's an interesting uh, explanation of what the gobblers are here, so I'm just going to read it. Mm -hmm. Dr. Lancelius says, well, in this very town, there is a branch of an organization. Oh, I'm just going to stop there because I was going to ask you this, actually. In my book, organization is spelt with a Z. is yours. Yep. That's American.
1: I was listening to a really good episode of The Illusionist recently Uh, where they talk about the Americanization that is S or Z. Mm Mm-hmm. In the English language, in like England, we've used S and Z interchangeably quite happily for like loads of time. And it was kind of only in like the 50s and 60s that we were like, oh, z's American and S is English. Oh, really? Because I am adamant on never using Z. I always Mm -hmm. use S. Even when Microsoft Word tells me it's wrong, I'm like, no, it's not. Yeah. No, it's been used pretty interchangeably throughout a lot of English. Thank you, Helen. Yeah. (laughs) All my word knowledge comes from listening to the Illusionist podcast with Helen Saltzman. She's great. I love her.
0: Okay, so I'll start that again. Well, in this very town, there's a branch of an organisation called the Northern Progress Exploration Company, which pretends to be searching for minerals, but which is really controlled by something called the General Ablation Board of London. This organisation, I happen to know, imports children. This is not generally known in the town. Uh, The Norway government is not officially aware of it. The children don't remain here long. They're taken some distance inland. We then learn that there's I think Fardacorum asks him what if he knows what happens to the children when they're taken inland to this other yeah. place. And he's like, "No,
1: i will tell you if I knew." Like, don't yeah. worry, I'm not hiding anything. But he does you. say
0: that he's heard the word indecision. But mm. he says what it refers to, I could not say.
1: Yeah. So, and also indecision being referred to something called the Maischtag process, which is yes. like another. Again, it's lots of like Grumman and his particles, and the Rusakov part is a lot of like. Here's a scientist's name and yeah. then a, a thing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just to make it a bit more confusing. Yeah. Than it already is.
0: He says that it's not a matter that the witches are interested in. And I was like, rude. There's fucking kids that are missing and They're like businesses with dying.
1: nature. They've got shrubs to look after. They've got important <laughs> business meetings with trees and shit.
0: Yeah. True. But I was like, it, it was just a bit
1: harsh to me. It's like, yeah, yeah. we don't give a shit. Maybe they also like it kind of has nothing to do with them so until somebody tells them how atrocious it is they're not gonna they're not it's not their job to do the research i guess yeah. right true but it could have worded it a bit nicer I think. oh yeah
0: definitely <laughs> oh this is so this like is one of my favorite parts in this chapter the question that then father Coram asks so he asks if you were me what question would you ask of the council of witches
1: what a fucking great question i love the question that's like basically our standard last question of any interview yeah. is like and what have we not asked you that we should ask you yeah
0: yeah basically <laughs> like if you
1: were me what would you ask you <laughs> most people are just like oh i don't know yeah um well i love it though because dr lansalius just like smiles and is like dang that's a good question <laughs> Like, I I like that he's just like, ooh, Trixie Yeah. And
0: he says that he would ask how to obtain the services of an armoured bear. What?
1: And my notes are like, what? A bear? Oh, hell yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think I put in capital letters. Coram asked the best question ever. If you and me, what would you ask the consul of witches? Yes. (laughs) I would ask where I could obtain the services (laughs) of an armoured bear! Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Get that bear. Get it!
0: (laughs) that is (laughs) it really reminds me of um the tv show because they used that little clip of oh god who's that comedian that played the witch console guy in the tv show i can't remember
1: it wasn't homage lily was it
0: no i don't
1: know it might have been
0: but he says that he says the question and they used it in in a lot of the trailers so when i read it in the book because it was like a really great moment in the tv show so when i read it again in the book i was like
1: yeah woohoo there it is a I was oh, right. Oh, Yay. Well, then, You know when you're yeah. like, did I get it right or did I just offensively think someone was someone else? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: You got it right. You got, got it, it right. <laughs> okay. So after that question, and we know that they should ask for the services of an armoured bear, Lyra is super excited. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. absolutely. And then Coram's surprised because he thought that the bears worked for
1: the ablation board. Mm. We kind of know that because we know that. Azriel's imprisoned by bears because Lyra heard that at the cocktail party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we know that the, I think we know that the Oblation Board is against Azriel Pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they want he's opposite. a heretic. They yeah. want like opposite things, don't they? Yeah. So I think that kind of implies it, but we've not. I don't think we've had it as explicitly spelled out that yeah. they're on their side. Yeah.
0: So then uh, Doctor Lancelius says that there happens to be an armored bear in the town where they are, Ooh. and who earns a living, but is a grumpy butt. Basically, yeah. yeah. I was like,
1: sounds like me. Yeah. He, the, uh, he earns a living, but such is his temper and the fear he engenders in dogs that his employment might not last for long. Stop scaring dogs. Stop it. <laughs> Bad bear. <laughs> that
0: is very true. But like when he was just like, he earns a living, but he's, he's, uh, he's scary and a bit mean and a bit like grumpy. I was like, sounds like me. <laughs> uh, and his name is Yorick Burnison. Yeah, Great name
1: yes um, also um, reading this as a kid I, wreck. I oh yeah absolutely I wreck. I I'm still f- watching the TV series yeah, and yeah. like again listening to the audiobooks, books even in the audiobooks, I think one of them pronounces it differently but yeah just I couldn't think, get Yorick in my head for ages yeah. and so this is the first read through
0: where I've been reading it as Yorick when I read the books I didn't really know how to pronounce any of it mm-hmm. like the last name as well so I kind of just did that thing where I skim past it every time and I'm like actually how do I say this name I think in my head as a kid it was Bine-risson? Yeah, same. And I also kept misreading it as Byronson. And I was mm-hmm. like, no, that's not right.
1: Quite often my head will just flip letters over. If yeah. I can't think of how to pronounce it in the right way, I'll just flip two of the letters over and then it'll be years later when I'm rereading the book I'll be like, oh, that's not how that's spelled. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. He says that they should try and employ him. He asks... He says, oh, I would take the chance to employ an armoured bear, even if it were a chance far more remote than this one. Lyra's mega excited, obviously wants to go and get the bear immediately, but Fardecorum knew the etiquette for meetings such as this and took another piece of spiced honey cake from the plate. (laughs) The thing is to like
0: not seem like super like excited, like,
1: okay, thank you. I'm just going to mull that over a little bit. Also, like if eating all the cake is meeting etiquette, then I would fucking boss a meeting. Oh, gotcha. Like... I was like, I'll stay if the etiquette is eat all the cake, sign me up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I would be really good at that. Sims.
0: <laughs> um, and then uh, the witches consul uh, or oh, Doctor Lancelot, Doctor
1: uh
0: asks Lyra about the alethiometer. How does he know about it? So he has got some form witchy of witchy power, or yeah. the witches know when they told him. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. And she says yes. And then Pan Nipsa. Um, and she asks if he wants to see it um and it's quite that's quite clever of them, or pan to know that they need to like keep him on the good side like as a child that's quite a clever thing to like take from a situation that you're in with two adults yeah. Because she could have just been like, no.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because, again, she's reading the situation better than Father even is. Yeah. Because they get the alethiometer out for Dr. Lanzalius, who looks at it very admiringly, and asks if they have the books of readings. Mm Mm-hmm. And Lyra says, no, before the interrupts her, is like, oh, it's a pity that we can't read it. <laughs> it's such a mystery. It's as mysterious as the pools of ink that the Hindus use for reading the future. It's the, the nearest book of readings are bloody miles away. We're so clueless. <laughs> and Lyra and Pan, well, and Pan can just see that Dr. Lansalius' demon is not buying yeah. any of it Fardacorum has no game no bluff
0: also it just seems really stupid of Fardacorum to do that in that moment because surely he knows of the the witch's power and he's already seen that uh Dr. Lancelius knows about the alethiometer anyway so it's not a jump to think that he would know how they were
1: using it and like yeah. so I'm like come on mate come yeah on. it's a bit it's just it's just not a very good read on his part and so Lyra was just like it's stupid let's not make a charade and she says she can read it he starts asking her where she got it she says the master of jordan do and she starts asking him like oh do we know who made it and uh, i quite like the idea of how the alethiometer was made yes they're said to originate in the city of prague the scholar who invented the first alethiometer was apparently trying to discover a way of measuring the influences of the planets according to the ideas of astrology he intended to make a device that would respond to the idea of Venus or Mars as a compass responds to the idea of North. In that, he failed, but the mechanism he invented was clearly responding to something, even if no one knew what it was.
0: So it was basically made for a different purpose and then ended up working in a completely different yeah. way to what they intended it to do. Just
1: accidentally discovered something yeah. that turns out... It's like something was waiting this whole time for something to be there to communicate through or like accidentally yeah. measuring like it, i just i love the idea of it not being made to purpose it was an accidental discovery yeah i love that yeah me makes me happy no i yeah. like that as well
0: um and then he asks how she reads it and she she tells him the whole stuff the stuff that we've heard before about like focusing our mind and yeah stuff. she
1: asks him about where the symbols come from as well mm-hmm. and he says that it's just like in the time it was made everything was yes. about symbolism yeah, like, yeah you yeah. see symbolism in the buildings you see it in books and illustrations you see it in like everything people yeah. were like dead into symbolism which I really like yeah I think it's cool
0: and then he asks her to ask a certain question um about something that he, that we learned in a second that he already knew the answer to anyway and yeah so it's basically just testing her to see how she reads it and then she goes through like all the different symbols and like what they mean to her and how she's, like, doing it that we've seen her do quite a few times before now. Yeah, it's
1: just, like, reaffirming how we understand how she reads it, I think. Yeah,
0: because I think, as I've said before, it is quite a large-slash-slightly-confusing concept to get your brain around. So I think the more that they kind of do it...
1: Mm. um, I wish the question had been something more relevant, because it feels like...
0: like... I was like, but should I read it out? And I was like, no, because it's a bit boring to, like, read that out again. It wasn't anything relevant, obviously. He asked the question about
1: something to About do Tartus. with the war of the tartars it's all yeah. a thing that has been vaguely referenced to throughout the books in a sense of like this is a distant conflict that's occurring but it, we're in the north it's not really going to affect us yeah we don't think anyway yeah yeah
0: and then uh, moving on a little bit from that he basically clearly wants to get rid of her so he asks if she can go into the yard to see which uh, cloud pine is seraphina's and off she goes because she's always ready to show off she is
1: <laughs> that's our girl
0: <laughs> and then this is a bit where we get into all the like kind of prophet prophetic yeah. kind of stuff again isn't it the consul asks do you realize who this child is and then father says no i don't know any more than that she's the child of lord Azrael and mrs coulter she's a strange innocent creature and i wouldn't have her harmed for the world oh i mean that's such a lovely description of her strange innocent creature that she is she's an odd little kid she is and then so i'll just read it the Mm. witches have talked about this child for centuries past said the consul because they live so close to the place where the veil between the worlds is thin they hear immortal whispers from time to time in the voices of those beings who pass between the worlds and they have spoken of a child such as this it was a great destiny that can only be fill, uh, fulfilled elsewhere, not in this world, but far beyond. Without this child, we shall all die, so the witches say. But she must fulfill this destiny in ignorance of what she is doing, because only in her ignorance can we be saved. Do you understand that, decorum? And this is like reiterating what the master and the librarian were talking about in chapter two, isn't it? That she can't know what she's doing. Mm-hmm. But we still don't know anything else about it. Also, that the back of my book says, without this child, we will all die.
1: Does y'all say that? Uh, no. Mine just doesn't really have anything.
0: I really like... no
1: no quotes on mine. I really like that as a pull quote.
0: It's very, uh...
1: Intense. Yeah, yeah.
0: I like it a lot. So, yeah, this is really interesting because it's talking about, like, different worlds and, like, the veils between worlds and, like, Lyra will... What's it say? Lyra will have a great destiny that can only be fulfilled elsewhere, not in this world but far beyond. So then is this confirmation that what Asriel is doing is real and that there are different worlds, like the city in the sky that we saw earlier.
1: Yeah.
0: And
1: then (laughs) Coram is is like,
0: what the fuck?
1: (laughs) Um, I mean, his mind's just been blown. Right. He was like, I knew that she had important parents and that she was like a politically con- controversial child but
0: <laughs> and now he's just like oh without we're all gonna die with? cool <laughs> okay <laughs> um and then uh the consul goes on to say that uh she she's got to be free to make mistakes they can't guide her mm. like she's got to just do it by herself and he says i'm glad to have seen this child before i die which i really liked
1: yeah it's um, pretty intense yeah it's,
0: it's a little bit jesus-y but i'm fine with it. it is but yeah i am also <laughs> fine with it because i don't really like yeah enjoy religious things but i did like that.
1: Before they can kind of carry on chatting much further, Lyra trots back in proudly, having found the branch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She does. She is correct. She has the right thing, the right sprig the right cloud pine branch, and uh, the console takes a little sprig off and hands it to Lyra mm-hmm. to keep. And Lyra's like, oh, my God, did she fly with this? This oh. is so cool. It's like,
0: um, So yeah. on that, I'm assuming that she can use that to contact her because he says that he needs to keep some so that he yeah, can contact her. Yeah, I think it's her. like a link. Yeah.
1: Yeah, which is pretty cool. And as Lyra's tucking it into oh, her death. purse, Fadakorum touched the spray of cloud pine as if for luck, and on his face was an expression Lyra had never seen before, almost a longing.
0: Oh, what is going on there? I want to find
1: out oh god oh god I mean is the amount of emotion we're portraying right now a little bit of a spoiler let's find out <laughs> oh god yeah ah well no um, we just um, bloody love Fardacorum. we do <laughs> um,
0: so they leave um, and Lyra then this is when Lyra tells Vardacorum that he obviously uh, the Witches' consul Dr. Lanzelius why can I not remember mm-hmm. that name Dr. Lanzelius he already knew the answers to those questions that he asked her and then yeah Father was just like yeah I expect he did he's just testing you
1: yeah and she he was like oh don't worry not pointing out that he asked you a question that you already knew the answer to is probably the politest way of going about it so like well done kid for being polite which is
0: cute they find out that uh, the bear Yorick finishes work at six lol Gonna, gonna go catch him after work just clocking off at six and he usually goes to the bar afterwards excellent and then uh there's a like a big massive paragraph
1: about clothes about father daughter, and buying lyra but it's like absolutely disgusting it, it truly is disgusting i mean i kind of want to read it out just for how gross <laughs> it is like it's just here's a list of animals when some cool facts about how their like pelts and hides are used yeah yeah, yeah. in this world to like for different items of clothing but just by the time we get to the end of it it's fucking gross so (laughs) ah then far decorum took lara to the best outfitters in town and bought her some proper cold weather clothing they bought a parka made of reindeer skin because reindeer hair is hollow and insulates well and the hood was lined with wolverine fur because that sheds ice that forms when you breathe they bought underclothing and boot liners of reindeer calf skin and silk gloves to go inside the big fur mittens The boots and mittens were made of skin from a reindeer's forelegs because that's extra tough. And the boots were sold with the skin of the bearded seal, which is as tough as walrus hide, but lighter. Finally, they bought a waterproof cape that enveloped her completely, made of semi-transparent seal intestine. (laughs) Seal intestine. (laughs) Sounds delicious. (laughs) All very practical and all, I'm sure, well-researched into, I imagine... I hope I have not done my due diligence of googling on this one because I mm. did I was researched very quickly, yeah. but I imagine Phillips found out a lot about kind of what are perhaps traditional Inuit mm. uses of different furs for different purposes of to also, make the warmest clothing. I kind of just didn't want to know.
0: I, like it's I, I it's not
1: very it's not very veggie or vegan, is it?
0: I just basically wrote that there's a massive paragraph about fucking clothes which just isn't needed at all.
1: Yeah, I think in my notes I li- oh my note is all the animal skins. Good thing Lyra isn't vegan. Seal intestine, ew. <laughs> That's right. my note. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so then they after their shopping trip, they head back and tell John Farr about the witch and the bear, um, and that they'll go and find. They say so they'll go and find the bear this evening, mm-hmm. um, and then we- I'm sure Lyra's like, oh my god, I can't. Can move. we do it now? <laughs> uh, we then learn that Farquharms fought a bear before. Tough dad. But not on his own, but no. also like, Tough yeah. Tough dad. Tough dad. And he like tells John Farr there was no luck with the uh, with the witch. And then John Farr tells him that he met a prospector on the quayside, a New Dane. What's
1: that? Uh, so I think New Dane or New Denmark is kind of the Americas or America. Because okay. uh, he says from the country of Texas. So Texas is a whole country in this world. Cool. And I think New Denmark or... New Danes is kind of like american Americanish, okay, or like that cool.
0: kind of content. Excellent. <laughs> Knowledge. You got it. Uh, called Lee Scoresby. And he's got a balloon. And his expedition failed, so he's stranded there. And they've paid him to work for them.
1: And he's an aeronaut, which I assume means he flies aboard. I love how excited John Farr is. All oh, right, To like, be bringing an aeronaut to the party. Yeah. He's like, I found a flying man and I'm so excited. <laughs> I think we could use him. <sighs> please, please, can we take him, please? Which is very different to in the TV show. Lyra's portrayed as bringing Scoresby along and Farr is like, mm, I'm not sure about this guy. Yeah. But in... I love that in the books John Farr's like, I found a flying man, can we take him, please? Yeah. <laughs>
0: please can we take him? And then like John Farr like he's like really excited and he's like, Oh, it's so lucky that I found him. And then fucking Fardecorum sas him and he's like, Luckier still, if we had a clear idea of where we're going. Oh well, fucking Father Corum in this. Stop fucking up. China Paranouts and get us a fucking map. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Yeah. So in the evening, Lyra and Fardecorum they go over to the bar to find Yorick. Uh, and he is in, like, the backyard of the bar, Um, and then there's a little description of him, and it says, Dim light through the rear window of the bar showed a vast, pale form, crouching upright and gnawing at a haunch of meat which it held in both hands. Lyra had an impression of blood-stained, and face, small, malevolent black eyes, and an immensity of dirty, matted, yellowish fur. As it gnawed, hideous, growling, crunching, sucking noises came from it.
1: Rude. I love it. It's so gnarly it's so yeah, yeah. grim it's so like grizzly. yeah i love it truly and like it's so sinister for like our first introduction right for a character that you may have guessed from our squirrels we kind of love yeah um yeah it's great
0: oh and then like fardacorum shouts his name there's another like little description here um that basically says that yorix's presence made lyra feel close to coldness danger brutal power but a power controlled by intelligence and not a human intelligence nothing like a human because of course bears had no demons the strange hulking presence its meat was like nothing she had ever imagined and she felt a profound admiration and pity for the lonely creature Oh, so interesting right like, so like
1: that combination of feelings that she's getting where she's like oh my god it's so cool it's so big but also like I kind of feel bad for him because she feels bad for anyone that doesn't have a demon because she loves Pan so bloody much yeah just, yeah, it's so interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and then he goes over to them and, like, rears up and he's, like, ten fucking feet. And it's like, just fuck me. Shit yourself.
1: Imagine decorum. So far, he's got a face like a skull. He's walking with sticks. He's so bloody frail and lovely and elderly and old. And then there's a fucking ten-foot bear. Right. Or, like, twelve I don't even know how tall like, he is. But, like, yeah. stands his ground, right? He's not oh, fucking scared. He doesn't give a shit, which no. is part of what I love about him. Yeah. Is he's in this like frail shell but his like spirit is so strong yeah and like just facing down a bear
0: and also Where it's the- probably just one of those things because we're assuming obviously that he is quite an older man he's probably had all those experiences before and he's like do you know what i don't give a shit about like, this anymore like i've dealt with this i fought fought yeah. about once i like, seen bears fucking bring I- it on yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, and then yorick answers them he asks who they are And his deep voice seemed to shake the ground. And they introduce themselves. They offer him, like, a job. He says that he's already got a job, uh, that he mends machinery and iron. Fodacorum calls him a Ponserbjorn. And so these are definitely the bears that we keep hearing about. Yes. And someone from the bar brings some booze out for him. And fucking Yorick lurches towards him. It's like, wouldn't you just absolutely shit yourself if you just, like, brought out some stuff for this bear and then this bear just fucking went for you? (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh god and they start talking about like what work it'll be and stuff Mm. and they say it'll be fighting they'll have to fight to
1: get the children free the jar that the guys place down as well is full of some like ridiculously strong smelling spirits and alcohol like they can smell it from the gate yeah and he's dropped outside the back door So that is some strong boost Yorick is pissed as a fart yeah i think he's got a little Bit of an alcohol problem, which is really bad because, well, we'll get to it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, And he asks what they'll pay pay him. Um, Fodacorum says, like, they, they like, kind of talk a bit about what they could pay him. And he's like, well, I don't need any of that shit. Don't need gold or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then Fodacorum says, well, why are you here? Because you could be living a free life. Like, Mm -hmm. why are you, like, working for these people? And then that scares Lyra because she thought that that surely is going to offend
1: him. They um, ask what he gets paid now. Mm-hmm. And he's like, they keep me here in, fo- in meat and spirits. And that's really shit pay. That's not a pay. Like, so. That's not fo- room and board. Like, where is he sleeping? Yeah. Like, also, like, true. room and board is not decent pay. No. That is way below minimum wage. Absolutely. Rights for bears. Workers' rights for birds. Workers' <laughs> rights for fucking bears. Yes. Yeah. decorum kind of asks the risky question mm-hmm. of like, why do you bother sticking around? like they're not paying you well yeah you could be out living your best bear life hunting seals um living on the ice yeah and um yeah Eric kind of explains that he got fucked over basically yeah he <laughs> says
0: i know the people you're seeking the child cutters wait so actually child cutters is that the first time we've heard them be called that because that's interesting so. yeah They left town the day before yesterday to go north with more children. No one will tell you about them. They pretend not to see because the child cutters bring money and business. Now, I don't like the child cutters, so I shall answer you politely. I stay here and drink spirits because the men here took my armour away. And without that, I can hunt seals, but I can't go to war. And I am an armoured bear. War is the sea I swim in and the air I breathe. The men of this town give me spirits and let me drink till I was asleep. And then they took my armour away from me. If I knew where they keep it... I would tear down the town to get it back. If you want my service, the price is this. Get me back my armor. Do that, and I I shall serve you in your campaign, either until I am dead or until you have a victory. The price is my armor, I want it back, and then I shall never need spirits again.
1: And that's the end of the chapter. And they took his armor. They took his armor, which is fucking shit. They basically, I think Iric kind of got essentially roofied, They got him so drunk he was in a stupor and didn't know what was going on. And then they stole from him and then they essentially made him an indentured servant because they're not paying him properly. And the only reason he's staying in the town is because they have his armor somewhere he doesn't know.
0: It's a violation. It's an
1: absolute violation. They
0: stole something that is so... He kind of talks about it as if it's like an extra skin. Mm. Like it's his armor and they're known as armored bears. And he's kind of saying, well, what's an armored bear without his armor?
1: yeah the only part of the whole thing that kind of makes me a bit grumbly um so the, the word wasn't coming um it's just so he talks about like how war is the sea in which he swims and the air that he yeah breathes. i um, don't yeah. enjoy that as no, a concept like you I know get my what feelings
0: about war um, well yeah. yeah
1: it's it's just a bit of a rubbish character trait to give this like badass bear mm. like i wish that it was something else other than war because war is such a horrible thing and for him to say it's the sea in which he swims in the air he breathes is just a bit gross which is kind of like it's the one part of that whole thing like the whole thing is like obviously he's been through a lot he's got this like alcohol dependency that's being forced upon him Mm. by the people that are essentially keeping him captive it's really horrific and this redeeming thing that he could get, which is his armor, which will help him get back on track. is this thing that he loves so much because he's so into war. And I but just, was not not good. It is. I absolutely 100% <laughs> agree with you.
0: But it makes me think that although he's the only bear that we've seen, the way that the bears are spoken of, it kind of just seems part of their species in a way, is that they're, they're armored bears. So wouldn't war be intrinsically within them anyway?
1: I'm not saying that that's a good thing because I hate war, but... I guess it's more like, I think if he'd have said, like, I'm a fighter, Mm. fighting is what I do, fighting for what my people believe in is what I do, would be more, I'm a warrior. More than, like, war is the sea in which I swim. I get that warrior comes from war and all this stuff, like, but I just think...
0: But warrior can be interpreted in many different ways. It doesn't have to mean, like, physical fighting and also the concept of war is this massive thing that people die in and the fact that somebody would
1: like war is like war as a general overarching concept is worse than for example battle or fighting because that's so much smaller in its implication war is implicit to like something way bigger and scarier and that affects innocent people as well Mm -hmm. which i think is just yeah it's the only part of this whole bit like I bloody love this introduction to Yorick as a character Yorick as a character yeah. and but like it's just on this read through that sentence kind of struck me the wrong way
0: mm. just because I know like
1: you mean. as an adult now my perception of what war pertains to is so much further reaching than perhaps what your concept of it is as a kid when you're reading you're just mm. like oh it's like battles and stuff
0: yeah so. I just kind of sk- I didn't skim over it because I, I did nurt to myself like uh, a mention of war and somebody that likes war not great but then I just thought well it just seems like it's a part of these bears and a part of how these bears have been engineered into this world um like you think about different animals that like live in different habitats and how they uh, adapt to live in those habitats and it kind of just made me feel make me think of that yeah so maybe they've just lived in a way that they've always been involved yeah. in that I 100% can see
1: them being like a very, a very physical species where it's like oh if there's a disagreement They'll fight. They're not gonna sit and have like a parlay and like work it out. They're mm-hmm. gonna have a fight. I'm fully down for that. It's just the like what like I just don't enjoy the choice of words. Yeah, I think for me that's fair. We already mentioned at the top that this is one of our favorite chapters so far. Yeah,
0: there's lots of people get introduced
1: and lots more like fantastical shit happens. Yeah, it's like
0: there's like, a bear. I remember when I first read this and I was like, okay, so we've like heard about witches and stuff and there's
1: like dust and and I was like, there's a fucking talking bear. Yeah, like, everyone has a talking animal friend, but Yeah, like, yeah. this is a, like, a giant bear.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think, like, obviously, because demons get introduced straight away, it's like, yeah, you can see a demon, it's supposed to be someone's soul, blah, 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 yeah. but then there's just this random talking bear, and I was like, okay, cool.
1: And also, like, all the fantastical stuff so far has been viewed by our main character as perfectly normal. Yeah. Except for maybe, like, the alethiometer, whereas, like, the bear is, like, new to her mm. and fantastic to her, so I think the way he's described is so much more fantastical and, like, bloody brilliant, but really brutal. Mm. Yeah.
0: Do you have an award to give out?
1: You know what? I'm never prepared. Are you more prepared than I am? I'll think while you're talking.
0: I want to give my award to Cherry, the able seaman. Ah, For just being a good sport with Lyra and like teaching her and like not pawning her off like I would have done if someone was fucking throwing like
1: apple pits at me. So I can have...
0: A good sport award.
1: Nice. I like that a lot. Uh I'll probably give my award to the other cameo character in this role then. I'll give it to the witch's receptionist. Yeah. Best receptionist of the year. <laughs> Dr. Lancalius. Martin, you did well.
0: Yeah. Well done.
1: <laughs> yeah. He seems like a chill guy. Yeah. He's aight. <laughs> so much for listening to this episode of her dark materials you can find us on twitter instagram and facebook at hdmpod and you can email us at her at gmail.com and we bloody love an email we bloody love an email
0: if you want to support us you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash hdmpod you can also rate and review us on apple podcasts it helps other people find us i'm faye and when i'm not talking about lyra and pan i'm probably writing. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Faye which is Y. And if you want to read some of my blog posts,
1: I'm on Medium at fay_ducker. I'm Rachel, and when I'm not here chatting to you lovely folks about demons and dust, I'm making designer toys, art, and illustrations. You can find me over on Instagram at rachmakes, on Twitter at Rach underscore makes, and over on my online shop, rachemakes.co.uk. Huge thank you to Johnny Knott for his musical stylings and for help with navigating the scary tech stuff.
0: We'll see you in two weeks' time. And don't forget, keep telling stories and all will be well. Bye-bye.
1: Bye. 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 bye, 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 bye. so much. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. bye. bye, bye, bye. 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 We're doing it.